And now for the Black Firehouse Podcast, the only Ghostbusters podcast that discusses props, costumes, sets, and special effects with your hosts, Austin Young and Dan Harshman. You know, it's just occurred to me we really haven't had a completely successful test of this equipment. I blame myself. So do I. Let's get ready. Switch me on. And it is episode five again. For the third time. For the third time. Episode five for the third time. Gosh, I hope we don't have to go for a fourth or fifth time. As always, for the Black Firehouse podcast, this is your host, Stan Harshman, and his good friend, Austin Young. Austin, we are experiencing a plague of technical difficulties coming from my side of uh, of the connection tonight. I have no idea what's going on, but my internet connection keeps hiccuping and resetting where we're recording through, which is uh, uh, Riverside.fm. We haven't had these issues before, but we're we're going to try and get through the entire cast um, in one shot with hopefully no more additional issues. If nothing else, we can, you know, jigsaw together from multiple recordings. Uh, well, you know, one of, one of the things I was thinking is we, we could always do it from my phone. So that, that will be our, our backup plan. So if this recording doesn't work, we're going to go... And I'm going to try recording from my phone and just hook up everything to there. The audio quality might suffer, but man, I've been dying to talk about this topic now for for like a week. We are on part one of proton packs, Austin. I still think we ought to just inevitably push it back and, and keep not and talking keep... about proton packs until... You're right. We should talk about paper props today. Yeah, dude, I'm all for that. ESP cards, business cards, and and invoices from Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters 2. You guys don't want to hear about proton packs. I mean, who who is even remotely interested in a proton pack? Nobody. Nobody. That's actually a lie. I'm hugely interested in proton packs. Yeah, me too, I guess. Yeah, I guess. So, um, interesting news in the Ghostbusters prop world. Austin, have you heard about... Um, this new commission for aluminum ghost traps. I saw your post on it earlier. Um, admittedly, I did not click the link. I just saw the picture. I was like, oh, that's cool. So it's it's pretty cool. This guy, um, and his name escapes me right now, and I'm so terrified to use any other internet device that I don't <laughs> even I don't even want to look it up, but I'm I'm going to, to look it up. So he did a huge project. I guess he's sponsored by Send Cut Send, and um, and which is great because I I've actually been using Send Cut Send for a few of even my projects. Uh, notably, the IDW thrower um, has that that forward block is for Send Cut Send, and then I'll be doing the entire base plate and um, and the the oversized v hook from send cut send um it's really a hook yeah so the the idw wand um seems to be made 
in such a way that instead of like a standard thrower that has like a small machined aluminum hook, um, it has almost like the entire gun track is part of the hook. At least that's how Dan um, illustrated the, the IDW thrower um, in his comics. So that that's going to be an interesting project because it looks like he has a Dixie hook on the pack itself, the way he draws it, yeah. but the wand itself doesn't have a defined hook. It's like, it's, it's almost like the entire thing is just a massive rail system. Interesting. Um, which, okay. Yeah. And, and I'm sure that's going to get really gummed up and, and jammed <laughs> pretty, pretty good and well. Um, but yeah, so well, this is kind of disappointing. So his 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 name on the forums for gbfans.com is Chiliarch, and it looks like he has postponed the project. But I don't think that means it's over because he he had a pretty successful interest thread going. Um, but he did an almost completely one hundred percent aluminum ghost trap out of parts that he ordered from send cut send and his kit version of this trap uh was going to be roughly 750 dollars um now just looking at the thread now it looks like he's kind of pulled the project back i don't know if he's refining his designs or or rethinking the price or or whatnot but when it comes back um and i'm sure it will because uh the the guy was definitely on the level um it's gonna be really exciting because i don't think anybody has ever offered a full aluminum ghost trap um the only thing that kind of bothers me about it is the battery box mm -hmm. seems to be a little too short it's a ghostbusters 2 style battery box yeah um and you see that a lot in the props that people build is they will base their proportions off of ghostbusters 2 traps um but then give it all the features of a ghostbusters hero trap and even in Ghostbusters 2, the hero trap was, it was just a facelifted Ghostbusters 1, so it had that extended battery box. I think the, the extended battery box is preferable for me. I think it looks a uh, lot better. I, you know, I'm, I neither agree nor disagree. I really like both. There, there's something about that stubbiness of the Ghostbusters 2 traps that I really do enjoy. Um... But for something that rolls out like a really nice shelf piece, because no nobody's going to be wearing an aluminum ghost trap on their on their belt. Um, um I would. No, I you would. One. I absolutely would. You would absolutely watch your belt fall off. I I carried around an uh, an almost entirely solid MDF trap on my belt for a long time, and That's yeah, MDF. I would. I would. Well, Hold on now, because I carried around a solid multimedia mayhem ghost trap on my belt. Uh, okay, you win. <laughs> That's, what, a minimum of 60 pounds, right? I'm pretty sure. I used to call it the manslayer. <laughs> I was like, yeah, if you upset me, I'm just going to throw my ghost trap at you. I mean, the thing's indestructible. I still have it. It was a gift from uh, Borzu. <laughs> who was so upset after building it. He was just like, I don't, I don't want to see this anymore. And so he sent it over to me. Are you sure it was a gift and he wasn't just pawning it off onto you? I mean, he may have been pawning it off on me. That's actually a possibility. But I, I always feel bad because there's been times where I'm building like a different trap kit. And I'm just like, oh man, is there anything I can take off of this? And the answer is no. There's 100% <laughs> nothing reusable off of the multimedia mayhem trap. I, I have a, 
another buddy of mine, Mike Kermabon, um, who disliked his kit so much that he put it in a box. And I even asked him if he was going to sell it. And he's like, no, I will never allow anybody to have this kit. <laughs> it's going to get buried, <laughs> and, and buried on a remote island game. somewhere. But then, but then, you know, on the other side of the coin, um, Colton did, I, I don't know where he got it because he did that project probably about a year, maybe a year and a half ago in which he got his hands on an unbuilt multimedia Mayhem Ghost Trap kit and put it together and it was just beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. He did all new custom cut aluminum um, plating on the side. He somehow managed to to get the entire thing flushed out so that it was just it was a gorgeous, gorgeous build. Um, and so if, if you get a chance, yeah, Colton Cook, he's he's an incredible builder. He's built an incredible slime blower, and I know he's done a proton pack, and I I want to say he did a, a reboot pack as well, but I he can't did. quite remember. He did, and it's did. gorgeous, yeah. Yeah, he's just, I mean, his attention to detail, his craftsmanship, and really any, everything that he does is is incredibly admirable. Um, that's, that's, that's for, for prop news and everything going on kind of in the community. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and and talk about what's on our workbench. Austin, you, you ready to keep moving forward, bud? Always. Listen, you smell something? There's something very important I forgot to tell you. What? I collect spores, molds, and fungus. Why? All right, we're back with the Black Firehouse podcast, and we are talking about what's on our workbench. Austin. Dan. What's on your workbench? Stuff. Uh, I love yeah, stuff. Stuff and things. Um, currently what? pumping out an afterlife uniform. Um, just did some hose connectors from afterlife. Uh, had those. Those came out great. Yeah, my buddy Chris, I had him model them. Uh, did a great job. And uh, I had my buddy Ross, who's got a resin printer. Uh, I sent it his way, and it's like, hey, I need a couple of these. And he printed me four of them. I was like, even better. <coughs> and you're uh, you're molding those, right? Uh, yes. In Now, are you um, hard rubber or what? Um, Whatever I can get my hands on. <laughs> uh, That's fair. I haven't ever used any of the... Uh, Oh, what's it called? It's a product task. It's a product smooth on makes mm-hmm. task. They're like ultra durable uh, resins and stuff. I thought about maybe trying to use those, but you know, I've never cast in rubber before, so I'm gonna have to do some research on. I know you can cast one type of rubber and a different type of rubber, but not the other way around. Um, so I'm gonna brush up on that, but in, I'd like to do them out of some kind of a harder rubber eventually. Um, I am going to have to have Chris make a couple of tweaks to this model and reprint it, though, because my prop OCD won't let me get over the tiny, minuscule thing that's different about it. <laughs> now, are are these all one pieces, or are you printing caps that are going on to, to leg hose? These connectors? are just one piece. All one piece. Okay, so the, the caps wouldn't come yeah, off. Yeah, um, and I'm sure eventually I'll do an afterlife style uh, that doesn't have the cap. You know, so you can actually utilize a hose with it. But I really like that afterlife 
you know, plug or whatever on the hose connector. I think that's such a cool detail. I love <coughs> that detail. And like, you don't really get to see it. And the OG Ghostbusters show up with hoses. Yeah. So they don't have it on their uniform, but, but on the, the Spangler surplus uniforms, mm-hmm. uh, all the, the leg hoses are, are plugged. And that really was, that was one of my favorite details on, on the, on the new suits. Now, are you using uh, a Nomex uniform to convert? Yeah, just off the rack because I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna wait we a year something. for a ripstop yeah. from uh, Magnoli. <laughs> Magnoli, just so you can paint yeah. it. Eventually, so, I will um, for like my personal, like super legit afterlife uniform. But for this one, I'm just rolling with right. Nomex. What are you? Uh... What is what's your method for for aging the uniform? Are you using an airbrush? Um, I thought about it, but I'm just hand brushing it. I mean, you know, a couple of those uh, behind the scenes videos and uh, photos came out of the you know the costume team actually distressing the uniforms, and they're just sitting there with buckets of paint and chip brushes and going away at it. So it's like, okay, it's good enough for them. It's good enough for me. Yeah, I was I was actually. Um, inspired by the fact that they're using chip brushes mm-hmm. um wayne newmeyer did an incredible aging job on his jumpsuit before we saw the jumpsuits for afterlife mm-hmm. um his claim to fame is uh, a big brother costume I, I know it won some awards he also did a, a mark watney costume that won some awards and then finally in a uh, apollo suit that also won awards that he did a lot of custom airbrush weathering on the seams to to make it look a lot more worn in i mean the dude is again i i guess i'm using this episode to just point out builders that i love <laughs> um because he he just he does a phenomenal job with his fabrics and he used an airbrush to age his his jumpsuit to make it look more worn in without ever seeing afterlife without even thinking about what the suits may look like in afterlife yeah. And then Afterlife came out, and they were spot on to what what Wayne had already done. And um, but to see the the behind the scenes that they're just using chip brushes was inspiring to me, just because I, I don't I don't want to buy another tool right now. Well, I mean, and it's <laughs> you know? not really necessary. I mean, you can pull off a really decent job just by hand painting it. I mean. In, in fact, it's yeah. almost, it's more organic that way because it's not a perfect stream of paint, you know, coming out of the, out of the airbrush. And you're not laying, you're not right. laying it down as methodically as you, you know, as you would with an airbrush. Um, and if you look at the ones in afterlife, you know, thankfully there's been a lot of really great behind the scenes pictures that, you know, cast and crew and mm-hmm. stuff have posted. It, they're not really they're more like stains than I guess built up dirt, you know, kind of that, uh, like on, on a, on a model of a spaceship or whatever, you know, you, they, they're always weathering the panel lines and kind of hitting those and making them darker mm-hmm. to kind of give the effect of, you know, dirt and grime gathering in those spots. And that's not really what the afterlife suits are trying to, accomplish they're more 
splotchy stains and i mean there's a little bit of that around kind of the panel lines and stuff and around the pockets and stuff but it's not mm-hmm. uh yeah i don't know it's just it's more organic and and, and splotchy and, and I, i've heard a couple of people refer to it as like you know they're ectoplasm stains it's dried up ectoplasm I'm like okay that makes sense you know that's cool <clears throat> so yeah i'm uh having fun with it and you know the have pressure's you, uh, not on to try and, you know, duplicate something exact because no two of the jumpsuits are exactly alike, despite, you know, sure. having multiple versions of the same suit for, you know, primary hero and stunt and all that stuff. Have you uh, have you gotten a chance to get Afterlife on home video? No. Um, I bought the digital release and then I'm waiting on my box set to come in, my big ultimate collection. Very, very cool. I, uh, yeah, my, my box set came in, um, last Monday and, uh, I've really, really enjoyed it. Once you get it, we're going to have to talk about it. Um, just, just the preview cut of Ghostbusters alone, we, we got to talk about, but I've enjoyed, I've gotten to watch Afterlife twice now. Um, once with my son and once with my daughter and I, I like it even more. Like I, Every time I watch it, I like a little bit more. It's like every time I watch it, I forgive the tropes and faux pas that I didn't quite like at first. Like, it's it's definitely not, I would say, a perfect movie. Um, but it's, it's still good. It's still a sequel that we really had no business getting. Like, yeah. the, the Ghostbusters... Ghostbusters 3 should have been unmitigated trash, you know, with like, with huge over the top stars and ridiculous amounts of action and like iPad proton packs and dumb stuff like that. But and had it, it had really Dan does... Aykroyd been allowed to make his oh, version, gosh. you know, I'm sure that's what we would have gotten. Nothing against Dan Aykroyd. We yeah. love Dan Aykroyd, but you know, we do. Uncle Dan, we love you. Bye, vodka. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> so my workbench has been really really fun this weekend it has um it has and i've been i've been posting a lot to uh my my personal hobby page harsh hobbies incorporated and dude so i finally got off my ass and repaired my tabletop um drill press I, I bought myself a drill press last Christmas out of gift cards that I got from work and I never used it. And then two months later we got a brand new puppy who decided that the power cable <laughs> was a treat and like ate it into three pieces. Um, so I finally sat down on Saturday morning and repaired the power line, got everything running nice and smoothly again with it and finally got to work. And dude, what a great weekend for building. I mean, like, I, I worked on my superhero thrower. I drilled out the uh, the vintage Ligree banjos for it. I was able to go ahead and install the, the trigger tip that I got from GB Fans. I ran all the, the front electrical cable into the, the gun body. And then even more exciting was I was finally able to do a lot of the cleanup and start dry fitting parts on my IDW wand. And I'm in love with it. Me too. It's so cool. I'm, it is so cool. I, I didn't think I would enjoy it as much as I am. 
Um, you know, I had, I had mentioned in our last episode um, that I was getting some custom-made uh, acrylic tubes mm-hmm. for them. And uh, Cole Funseth made them for me. Uh, one is for a semi-hero thrower, and then one was just a practice, and, and it, I, I wanted it for my IDW thrower. And I got that installed. And it was a little bit of a pain in the butt. I ended up having to cut into the actual tube itself so that there would be a little bit of ply. And then basically jammed the acrylic <laughs> tube into the front handle. So it's it's never coming out again. Which is um, going to suck so- if you ever drop it and shatter it. And then you're going to have to try and get the rest of it out of the front tube. <laughs> uh, well, you know, the... the the lucky thing about it is I think that would be easier than than I would than you might think because there's no electrics in it. Yeah, that's true. You know, once once a light kit goes into it, it will it will have just a little bulb in there so you can get the light effects and everything. Um, but for the most part, it's a it's a very simple build. Um, there's no extension mechanism on it, and you know the the biggest detail is instead of gun ears, it has um, what I'm calling um, a blast shield, which is again one of the parts that I got from Send Cut Send, and it's just this huge hunk of half inch aluminum, and and it's a trapezoid shape, and I have a you know a set screw on the bottom there, it, so that it doesn't. It reminds move. me of there was an old Kenner Batman toy. That was like this weird rifle. It was it, what it was is it was the stormtrooper rifle. They reused the same mold, mm-hmm. but they put this giant bat symbol thing <laughs> like right on the front on the barrel, and so and that's imme- I don't know for whatever reason immediately when you sent me that picture that just what flashed in my head was this ridiculous kid or toy with this giant you know shield on the on the end of the barrel. <laughs> It, it reminds me of the pilot episode proton packs for the real Ghostbusters. Are we talking about the, uh, like the original pitch reel that has the, yeah, the original, where, the original pitch. Where they're video. all in khaki. Like, uniforms. um, okay. Yeah. Like, um, and, and then of course the, the Kenner toys, when you look at them, it had the, the wands have those big squares. Yeah on the end. It was great because when I was a kid, I used to always draw that on there for some reason. Even though it was never in the cartoon, it was something that always stuck with me. So like building the IDW thrower, there's a there's a little part of me that's just like it's kind of like building the movie accurate thrower of how I saw it when I was yeah. a kid. Which is making it a lot of fun. Yeah. And then it's, uh yeah. it's a really interesting build because it's you know, you're you're taking a, a two dimensional thing and trying to translate it to three dimensions. You know, and you've got such kind of creative freedom in a way because yeah, it's drawn a specific way, but you know, it's all it's also up to your interpretation of it. Oh, absolutely. Well, so far, I'm very happy with my interpretation. Uh, now, <laughs> me too. It looks awesome. The uh, the rear handle, the front handle. Are they? Do they get painted black? Okay. They do. They do. So the, the grips that I originally bought for, and that's one of the ones that's on there right now, is a uh, bicycle grip, and it's black. And uh, I was going to order another one because I totally, totally screwed up the cutting on the other one, but I 
I did a, a bit more searching and found the same kind of ergonomic grips, but Ooh, in okay. gray. And not only in gray, but the way they're patterned, it actually gives me a, a like a cut template on it. So instead of the grips wrapping all the way around the gun tubes, they're going to be halfway on there. And um, in the comics, the, the grips are, are gray compared to the rest of the wand being okay. black. Um, so I'm really excited about those to come in and, you know, they'll, they'll go on last cause really it's just going to be a, a little bit of glue and yeah. they'll go on they, there, you know, I'm not like a hard I'm, rubber grip or, okay. They are. Yeah. They're a hard rubber. It's very much, um, in the same vein as doing gun grips for a normal yeah. Gagnon pack. So again, more callbacks, mm -hmm. you know, using a lot more modern build techniques and technology, but still plenty of callbacks, callbacks to, to norm packs and callbacks to how I drew childhood, you know, proton packs. And, and then there's even a lot of found part fun in it. Uh, you know, the side discs, I noticed that how Dan Schoening had, had drawn them, they weren't really how the actual throwers are it was more like just a like just a big circle yeah. kind of thing um so i found you know half inch uh spacers aluminum spacers and then of course that front knob next to the clippered i'm a huge fan of because that is a, a it's so cool gun grip. like it's it's like it's it's ridiculous but <laughs> it it's is. awesome you know yeah well and <laughs> dan shooting draws that knob in and you can tell he draws in texture. So I was like, okay, I know it's it's textured, so I'm assuming knurled, you know, like the, the movie one. But he draws it as long as the clippered <laughs> valve. <laughs> and I'm like, this thing is ridiculous. And I thought for the longest time I was going to have to get it uh, custom fabricated. But uh, through numerous eBay searches and Google image searches, I ended up coming across Tattoo Gun Grip, which is not something you I would have You think I would have recognized of. it right off the bat because adults a freddy krueger glove for my one of my tattoo artists years ago uh that instead of the four blades and the fingers i put tattoo guns on the ends and oh, cool. i couldn't find anywhere that would sell me the grips without having some kind of tattoo license what? and so i was like well fuck oh, wow. that i'll just make my own and i stuck chunks of aluminum in the lathe and i turned them down and made my own <laughs> So I'm re I'm really surprised I didn't oh, like immediately recognize that as a tattoo gun piece. Well, I'm surprised too, just because you're you're kind of like the wizard with identifying parts and pieces, and you know, esoteric Ghostbusters background props and all that. I'm sorry to disappoint you. I'll, yeah, well, I'll turn it's over a my letdown. esoteric props card or whatever. Yeah, just turn it in at the front office. <sighs> And then uh, finally, of course, is that front and rear cylinder, which uh, are just simply quite, quite simply from GBFans.com. It's the the palm rest cylinder, and because there's not a lot of detail in the one in the comic, I just bought two and drilled the back one out so I can you know add a clippered bow, uh, barb on that to run a green line and. Yeah, man, I'm I'm stoked with it. I'm really excited. I'm excited about how much I was able to get done. It's always great when you can have so like a productive was... weekend, and you just even if it's little stuff, like if they're not huge steps mm -hmm. towards 
completing something overall, but like it's still so satisfying. Yeah. I I don't know, man. Um, with my superhero thrower, the electronics, yeah, that was a huge success. But I installed the spring for the pop mechanism. Do you have like the ridiculously long spring that like folds back over on itself, like the hero props? No. Not the screen accurate one. I just went with RJ's core pop yeah. mechanism, and it was it was a massive pain <laughs> in the ass. It was a massive pain in the ass because you end up having a set screw, um, which ends up being the the track that the handle uh, mm-hmm. rotates on, and that's what that set screw is making sure you know the the front handle only rotates so much. But one end of the spring has to loop on that set screw inside of the forward oh, handle and then is pulled back to another set screw that's on the back of the actual extension mechanism. So there's no light in the handle. I, I put a, a rubber uh, stopper in there so that the barrel light sat nice and flush up against the acrylic tube. Um so I can't see what I'm doing. And I'm basically just feeling around until finally I get one end of the spring looped under that front set screw and then pull it back and put it on that back set screw. That was that was a challenge, especially with, you know, electrical wires all sticking yeah. out of it. Like I it never ceases to amaze me that they managed to build these damn things in in two weeks. Where I'm like, I'm getting my ass kicked. By I mean, a that pop mechanism has been something that people have been trying to figure out for years. And there's been so many different methods and inversions that people have come out with. And I mean, I guess they all, for the most part, have worked. But then once you realize and see how the originals were done, it's like, oh my God, that actually worked. You know? Yeah. Well, yeah. And then it was a whole, it, it, it yeah. pushed it. It's, and like RJ's RJ's pop mech is is damn close to what they they used, and but his mechanism pulls, basic you know the spring pulls the the barrel forward, whereas the real one was that like yeah like you said that ridiculous long coil of spring that like attached to the uh, the the rear cylinder and then ran on to the front, and then when you would pull a little nail that was welded together. <laughs> That would push the whole thing. It's it, nuts, yeah. dude. It is. They don't. They don't build them no, like they, they used to. No, but we're gonna we're gonna talk about that today. So let's let's get into proton packs, dude. We have a we have a two part episode, and then we're gonna finish the two part episode with a third episode. It's gonna be a roundtable with uh, with of course special community guests who we're gonna we're not gonna announce them right now. But, uh, you ready to get moving? Yeah, baby, let's do it. What is that thing you're doing? It's technical. It's one of our little toys. The proton pack is not a toy. I guess that's right. Proton packs. Absolutely, 100% my favorite prop ever. Austin, yours? Yep. And that was a great episode. All right. That was a great episode. Okay, guys, wrap it up. Yeah, cool. No. Thank you. We'll see you next episode. <coughs> no, um, yeah, definitely, probably, hands down, my favorite movie prop of all time. Um, Dude, so we're 
we're going to talk about proton packs. We're going to talk about the ground buildup, how they built the the proton pack going into it. And we're going to, we're probably only going to be able to stick to, to just Ghostbusters because, I mean, we have about an hour left in the cast and, uh, you know, God knows if we have more technical difficulties, we might have to start over again or we'll just start from this point. I'll just splice audio together. Yeah. Um, dude, there's something about proton packs. There's, I, I don't, I don't know what it is. I think that it's the same thing. Like, don't get me wrong. I love star Wars, love star Wars. I have, you know, I have a Han Solo replica and I have, you know, my Sterling replica and I have a couple lightsabers and I feel like, when I wear a proton pack is how Star Wars obsessives must feel when they put on like Jedi robes, yeah. and a lightsaber um, or, or just igniting a lightsaber for the first time. I mean, I, I just, what's the, what does the proton pack mean to you? Oh man. Life. It's loaded. I know. I know. It means life life it means life dude it's the answer to everything it's what is it 42 42 the proton pack is 42 42 <laughs> i i just i end up feeling so cool yeah it's it's real pretty to look at right it is it, it's it is. it's a beautiful gorgeous prop um and it's crazy to think you know like you said they had two weeks to put these things together and that they they're as cool looking as they are. Um, and yeah, you know, we talked about this a little bit when the first time we tried to record this, but you put it on yeah. and you feel cool. You feel powerful. You do. You know, and it's... But not like, but not like malevolently powerful. No. Like I feel like I could, uh, you know, what the, the Ghostbusters propaganda worked. The song saving the day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It worked. Yeah. Because <laughs> when I put on a proton pack, I feel like I could I can defend everybody. And, like, I now have uh, the tools and the talent yeah. it, to, to protect the world. Yeah, you feel like you can you can take anything on. You know, there's nothing that that you can't face when you've got a proton pack on. Even, even as a kid, I remember, you know, just, you know, if you were scared of going down the hallway or you know scared of monsters in your closet or something but if you strapped on your kenner proton pack mm -hmm. those fears went away i mean you know how many times i went to the bathroom as a kid where i was scared to go by myself down the hallway but i would put my proton pack on and it and yeah. suddenly i was just like brave as fuck and it's like i Absolutely. i can go take a piss now no big deal all by myself because I got this thing on, you know, it's crazy. Like that, that confidence boost that it gives you, you know, mm -hmm. one of the, the funnest things I ever did was, uh, it was probably about, uh, 2017, I would say, you know, uh, Ghostbusters answer the call had come out and I got the, the answer, the call proton pack for my daughter. Mm -hmm. And we found a, like my, my first or second jumpsuit that my grandmother had put together. And so she puts it on and she puts on the proton pack and we turn all the lights out in the house. Every single one It's just me and my daughter in the house. And, uh, I light up the Mattel thrower and we went around the house busting ghosts 
it, it was so fun. And you had more fun than she did, I bet. No, no, because I have I have photos of her. She just loved it. I mean, she was just laughing and like she was chasing ghosts in the here and, and there and trying to go into like closets and screaming out, Daddy, there's a ghost here. Come on, we gotta get him and That's awesome. you know, she's making it but that was that was the kind of fun that the Proton Pack meant as a kid and and now as an adult, you know, we have some disposable income so we can really get into replicating these things. Yeah. But before replicating them, uh, where did the proton pack start? I mean, who who was the first person to come up with the idea of the proton pack? I mean, it's Dan Aykroyd, right? Uncle Dan, Uncle Dan, all the way. And you know, I don't know how much influence you know maybe Harold Ramis had on any of the gear, really. You know, um, but I, you know, like I don't know. It, it would be something interesting to find out, like if he. Uh, like with the script itself kind of has to take Dan's outlandish ideas and kind of turn them into something a little more palatable by, you know, normal people. Sure. Uh, but yeah, I mean, those initial concepts with like the, the, the wrist mounted antennas and yeah, the wrist mounted antennas popping out. They're so silly. Yeah. They're very Dan Aykroyd. They're very far out there. They're very um, strange. Yeah. It, but they're cool. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'd be interested to find out, too, because we know Stephen Dane. Well, oh. we know Stephen Dane designed the Ecto-1 and his crew yeah. built everything. But, you know, there's, there's, uh, there's some concept art in making Ghostbusters, which... Uh, again, a reprint comes with um, the Ghostbusters Ultimate Edition. Mm-hmm. Um, and apparently, I thought this was cool, it's actually courtesy of Paul Rudolph of SpookCentral.com. Yeah, I saw that post earlier. Yeah, because um, Paul, Paul had a PDF copy and Sony actually was able to go to him and get that and reprint the book. Um, but there's some concept art in there of proton pack you know beyond just the beyond just the little antenna coming off the wrist and which is almost like this kind of you know predator over the shoulder kind of big vacuum thing yeah that you kind of strap into so obviously there was some thought done by people in between dan Aykroyd's original concept and what we saw but we don't really know who ultimately said this is how you design, this is what the proton pack looks like. Yeah. I mean that the, who, you know, who came up with that finalized design that would be turned into that prop. Like that, I, I would love to just talk to somebody involved with production, anybody. you know, that, that has any kind of knowledge about that. Um, or anybody that was involved in the making of the props themselves, you know? Yeah. And it's not going to be the actors because the actors, bless bless Ghostbusters fans, bless Ghostheads. You know, <laughs> <laughs> they always end up going to the actors with these questions, and I'm just like, they don't, they don't know, they, they don't care, they don't obsess <laughs> over it, they don't, they don't sit there in their trailer with their proton pack and. Uh, Mr. Murray, what color was your jumpsuit 35 years ago? Seafoam green. Um, yeah, that's right. Everything was dyed green. Yes. 
Um, uh, yeah, I mean, somebody out there has to still be alive that worked on these damn things. We just got to find out who they are and track them down. I don't man. know. I don't know, man. It was the eighties. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of live fast, build a proton pack, and die young. <laughs> man, what a legend, though. Right. So we we know of some of the inspiration, though. Mm-hmm. We we definitely, you know, in in the entertainment industry, prop building, costume design, you end up with these inspiration boards where you're taking ideas from. Um, you know, a great example is. You know, if I was if I was going to design like the arachnids from Starship Troopers, I would look at other arachnids. So you end up with kind of this board of different pictures and reference and stuff. And the proton pack has such a absolute reference block, um, especially namely, I would say the cyclotron of being that radar system from an aircraft. Yeah. Now, I don't know if that's something that they found at Apex in, in their junkyard or if that's something that they just came across, you know, looking at photos and they said, hey, this would be a really cool thing. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've seen other people come out with uh, like particular camera box, camera boxes or projector boxes and say, hey, this kind of looks like the wand body. And it does. Yeah. But the, the proton packs were not built from found parts there's found parts on them yeah but it is almost a 100 percent custom build and they they started with layered foam and you know that's something i actually wanted to ask about uh after our discussion the first time we tried to record this episode right first second third third, yeah yeah. (laughs) i've lost count uh yeah where did that information come from that they started as layered foam um do we remember i am I'm relatively certain it's also in the making Ghostbusters book. Um, okay. I don't have it in front of me. I would have to go back and look. Um, but I know it, it came about as, as saying, yeah, you know, the, the, the master, sh- the main shape of the proton pack was made out of layered foam. Yeah. And I, and it was backed up by the evidence of looking, especially over on the ion arm side that you can see the striations where the separate layers of the foam are. Yeah. I'm not questioning um, the information. I just, I don't remember where that came from initially. I, I don't either. It, oh, it, but it, there's, there's absolutely nothing wrong questioning that information. That's, that's what we do. That's how we make new discoveries. Cause you know, one of the things we had mentioned last time was, you know, how little we actually know. Yeah. And by last time, I mean the, the recording that nobody will ever hear. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe when we have a Patreon, we'll, we'll upload our failed attempts at recording. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, what a perk. And then, you know, so they made the layer foam, and then we had that interesting discussion. I, I think this is important for people. The cosmetic ribs, we yeah. were at a disagreement on this. Yes. Um, I was right, know, the... and you were wrong. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm... You know what? I got to be honest, man. The more I look at them, I'm I'm questioning it. I'm questioning the 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 conventional wisdom. You know, the conventional wisdom has always been that they are pieces of uh, wood. Yeah. You know, be it is it is it balsa wood or you know some kind of ply or something like that that was cut into strips and and fixed on there. Because a lot of people point in to the direction of saying, "Hey, this is wood grain," and you had mentioned that, you know, 
Well, I don't think that's wood grain. I think that's just markings from shoddy cast- castings. Yeah, and sanding and and yeah. and sanding and the way that it bends around, it looks it's more like a, a centra or a styrene. You know, and the more I looked at it, and in the time before our first attempt at this episode, I I don't disagree, but. I don't think we'll ever really know. Yeah, I mean, that master is long gone. And again, unless we can find somebody that worked on the movie that was in the prop department that either helped build the original or saw the original book or whatever. Yeah, we'll never know. It's all speculation at this point. But I just feel like there's, you know, there's some evidence there that it may not necessarily be pieces of wood. You know, to me, they look like they were pieces of plastic that were heated and bent around, you know, the foam. And I, and, and then tacked into place. Yeah. And, um, you know, I had questioned you, Hey, would plastic, uh, bend like that? And you said, well, absolutely. And it was interesting. I actually got my evidence for that today in which when I was putting on one of the front knobs on my IDW thrower, I tightened it and sure enough, the plastic buckled in mm-hmm. almost identically and i was just like oh well, son of a bitch well, especially too <laughs> if you know i don't know how fast they're working on these but like probably pretty fast yeah. if they are attempting to tack down the ends those little ends with you know finishing nails or whatever that is yeah. while the, the plastic is still soft from having just been heated to bend over sure you know even more so you're gonna get you're gonna get it to buckle in and dent like that Absolutely. So it it's definitely, we're not sure. Um, what we do know, though, is that after they made the buck out of layered foam, after they applied the cosmetic ribs, um, they molded it. And they took a, a big cast and did straight fiberglass resin. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely not on the same quality as, as today. Today, you know, a lot of the makers, they pour in that first resin gel coat to really capture that the nice crisp details of of their master mold. And uh, they didn't do that, which probably even contributed more to not really knowing what precisely a lot of these materials are. Because, I mean, that well, that could be why nobody's nailed down the texture. Uh, maybe the texture yeah. is also a result of shitty castings. <laughs> Yeah, you know. I mean, absolutely. I mean, we know that they did shitty paintings because mm-hmm. <laughs> the light is bleeding through on Dan Aykroyd's pack in, in a couple scenes. Um, yeah. We we know on the on the superhero that they they have tape over there on on the power cell, which is also likely covering up light bleeds. Yeah, it that just blows my mind. I mean, it, but I, it doesn't. It doesn't like. I think I'm more surprised that the tape is still there <laughs> than the fact that they yeah. put it there, you know. Well, through through multiple movies, too. Yeah. Like, the, the fact that you can see the tape existing there in Ghostbusters 1, and that it's still sitting there in Ghostbusters 2. Nobody was just like, hey, let's shoot this with some spray paint, and, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, well, it speaks to, like, 
there's probably you know there's no time to in between takes to go hit it with paint probably i mean it's just like hey we've got some black tape throw it down that'll fix it nobody's ever gonna notice well, you know so here's the weird thing like the the proton pack is such an enigma of a prop because nowadays you have props where you can tell that they spent a considerable amount of time on the quality of it. You know, the, the hero lightsabers um, for the star Wars movies are a great example or, yeah. um, you know, the, the pistols for men in black, which were all custom cast, you know, pot metals and finished and everything like that. So you have these aspects on the proton pack where it's really for lack of a better word, fucking shoddy. Yeah. <laughs> but then you had things like, all of the aluminum parts mm-hmm. on the entire pack are they're ugly welded, but they're not the ugliest welds I've ever seen. And they're also rather precise for a rush job. Yeah. Well, and, and all of the shoddiness and, and, you know, all that stuff to me is part of the charm. Yeah. And, you know, I don't, the wonk. Yeah. The wonk is awesome. I love it. Like I love the wonk. That's something it, it gives everything character and I honestly that's something I think is missing from a lot of modern props because everything now is so precise and so well everything now pristine. is 3D printed. Yeah, I miss kit bashing, you know? I miss yeah, throwing a bunch of random shit together and making something new, you know? Um it, even the afterlife prop proton packs. They're beautiful. Yeah. Um but if you look at the OG packs compared to, say, like the Phoebe pack, the Phoebe pack ends up being um, a little more gorgeous because they were still kit bashing with it. Yeah. Whereas the OG packs, really everything's 3D printed. And you can tell. You can tell. There's no real weld lines on there. Everything's just kind of placed together. Mm-hmm. They're gorgeous. You know, I'm not trying to say that they aren't. They obviously are. Um, but so much of the wonk is gone. Yeah. Which, um, I mean, I, I understand to a degree wanting to get rid of that stuff, but to me, I feel like they should have left it. I was surprised that Afterlife ended up going in the direction of scanning the superhero for their new packs instead of using, the say, the, the existing molds for the Anovos Legacy packs. Yeah. Now... Um, you know, yeah. I don't know if they, I mean, you know, the, the making of books says that they used a 3D scan, right? And I'm sure that they did 3D scan it. But we don't know for sure if that's what they ended up using. They could have used, you know, a casting and made a mold of it and then modified that, cleaned it up, and then made a new master. We don't know for sure. We don't know for sure, but looking at the photos that we have, I mean, the the only wonk in the Afterlife packs comes from uh, that bend that you'll get in a lot of quick castings, mm-hmm. where the the kind of the center line of the proton pack is kind of starting to buckle in. Yeah. Um. But the the ribs and everything are really really perfect and lack a lot of the texture I'd, I'd say all the texture that the that the originals had yeah i mean i don't know i miss it though so they threw on these uh aluminum parts that were over engineered 
Like ironically, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean things like the weld between the booster tube and the the ion arm is like completely unnecessary. I hundred percent disagree. <laughs> well, no, I, I mean like no, I love it. As in, as in, I want it on all my packs because it looks cool. Mm-hmm. But from a structural standpoint, you know, once everything's bolted or in in the original packs case um, riveted in. Is there really a point to, to that? I feel like there is. I feel like it. I feel like it adds. Uh, having had you know several ion arms knocked off of my packs in the past, that oh, you think you think it was giving it additional structural support because only dirt bags grab ion. Arms? Exactly. Yeah. No, that I mean, I feel like having that little bridge there between the ion arm and the booster tube. I think takes some of the stress off of the iron arm. Like, I think that's the whole point of it, you know? Um, so be, that way, if it does get, you know, Bill Murray's not going to give a shit if he smacks it into the wall. He's not going to try to be careful. No. Uh, I'm still, I still think Bill Murray's responsible for that gigantic um, bit of damage on the, the bottom of the cyclotron on the superhero. Oh, where all the paints rubbed off, and you can see oh, primer yeah. and where it's fiberglass and all bondo the way, all the way down to the fiber. And I'm pretty sure I know what what was happening when that damage happened. Yeah, I remember you posting this. it's the picture like when it's behind the scenes when they're yep on the when the temple set. They're sitting on yep. the steps. Yep, he is. He's sitting on the steps, and the the cyclotron happens to be in that same spot. And I'm just like, you know, if I'm putting on my Bill Murray hat and pretending I'm Bill Murray, I give zero shit yeah. about these props. In fact, I hate them. And like, <laughs> I don't think he cared. I think he just sat down and the whole thing just crunched and he was just like, Oh, neat. Oh, well, <laughs> Pay me. <laughs> so where, where, if at all, cause I'm, I don't remember off the top of my head, where is the superhero <laughs> utilized in Ghostbusters two or is it? It is. It actually is utilized in Ghostbusters 2, but we never see it because the entire scene was cut. Oh, it's the stuff with Lewis, right? It is. Okay, the that's right. The entire stuff with Lewis. Yeah. Yep. And, and it has interesting... the cyclotron damage in that footage? It does. Okay. It does. It has the cyclotron damage in that um, in that sequence, and not only that, but the, the bumper has been flipped over in that scene. Yeah, it's been corrected. Okay. Yeah, it's coming mm-hmm. back to me now. I remember Yep, so the, the blue label, the motor synchronous label, is now on the opposite side and upside down in Ghostbusters 2, nice. which is how it was found at Planet Hollywood. It's since been corrected, right? It has, yeah. unfortunately. I'm a, I'm a little bummed that that got corrected. Like, I, I understand for posterity's sake, but, um, you know, ultimately, the, the superhero... I think was the first proton pack built. Yeah, it is. It is the only proton pack that has um, numerous aberrations from all of the other proton packs. I think it is the most visually interesting of all the proton packs. And I also think it is the one proton pack that has the most mystique behind it Um, from the, the bumper having been flipped. So the motor synchronous label is sitting in that cavity. Mm -hmm. It's the only proton pack that, originally did not have any spacers between the Alice frame and uh, the motherboard. And then, you know, all the other hero proton packs, of course, have hockey pucks. In there. <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> sure they do. 
oh, the great hockey puck debate. You know, because back back at, uh, you know, 1983, they just had baskets of hockey pucks. Yeah, I mean, it's like I said the last time we recorded this. It, it makes total perfect <laughs> sense that, hey, we need spacers for these packs. What can we use? Let's see. Oh, we've got we've got this pucks. entire workshop full of wood, but I think we got to run down to the sporting goods store and pick up some hockey pucks. That's what'll <laughs> do it, you know. Like now, guys, they're wood. They're wood. They're wood. They're wood. It takes five minutes to cut down a piece of wood and round it off on a belt sander, and then hit it with some black spray paint. Like, well, no. Clearly, they they took oversized hockey pucks to do the lower spacers because they're square. Yes, because uh, the the concept, I guess, was because it absorbs shock. Like that's not what they're doing. Well, they're, and I understand the thought process behind that. Like I get it, but that you're it, it's not a car. Yeah, Austin. but that's not what it's for. <laughs> like it's, they're displacing weight, so the damn things don't hurt so much. Yeah, you know the prop guys don't care that much about their props being comfortable on the actors. <laughs> I'm really worried about the vibrations from the proton pad. Yeah. Maybe we should have padded Bill Murray's feet. <laughs> I don't think they make Nikes in his size. <laughs> in in his they do. He's a human being. No, but his ego is so massive and it all goes straight <laughs> to his feet. Uh, uh yeah, no nah, that so <laughs> Anyway. So um, it's also one of the only packs. It didn't have neck foam, Austin. In at all, ever in the movie? At all, at all. Okay. Uh, it had it in Ghostbusters too. They they added neck foam for Ghostbusters too. Um, but the the shots in which I was able to to figure out, hey, this thing is right up against the motherboard. Um, I then noticed that there is no neck foam on that thing, and you know everybody has heard the stories of Bill Murray complaining about the weight of the proton packs. Yeah. And it was because he was wearing that superhero, um, which was only used in the rooftop scenes um, by, by Ernie Hudson or Bill Murray respectively. But no wonder he hated it. The, the shoulder straps were on backwards. Mm-hmm. There was no neck foam. The weight wasn't displaced. And it was also the only pack that had a working bar graph. Yeah which means there was probably additional circuitry in it to drive that bar graph. Yeah, Um, very true. But let's, you know, that comes back to the whole over-engineered. You had this thing that was hodgepodge together, layers of foam, quick fiberglass, but then really nice aluminum custom parts. And then you get this proton thrower, the Neutrona wand, which is a fucking work of art. Mm-hmm. You know, we touched upon the, the spring-loaded mechanism, but what the hell were they thinking? It was a sight gag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, they're, you know it, they're pretending it's their penis. <laughs> and But the engineering behind it is genius. I mean, it took us years to even come up with ideas that... that kind of worked as well i mean i remember back in the day people coming up with ideas using toilet paper um rollers just about to mention that yeah on how to spring that thing forward it took us years to figure out something that was even remotely how do we have this lever work and the front barrel rotate 
and and this was something that they threw together in two weeks. Well, I mean, not only that, but it it took years for anybody to realize that it wasn't activated by twisting the front barrel. It was activated by right. the green lever. I remember, which I'm, I mm-hmm. think it was on ASAP, a site about props, in some random thread where I first read. Hey, no, if you watch the movie, when Ray comes out of the elevator, he pulls down on that green lever and the front tip pops out. And my mind was like, I didn't believe it. I was like, whatever. And I go and I put the movie on and it's like, holy shit. Oh, my, <laughs> my God. Like, yeah, my whole world. And it's incredible. Yeah. And so then suddenly everybody's thought process has shifted from like, well, how are we, how are we going to make this thing pop out from twisting that front barrel to, Oh, it's that lever. So what is the twist for? And you know, ultimately the twist is a comfort thing. Maybe like, I don't know. I, you know, building, building my, my superhero thrower. I think it was ultimately a comfort thing. Yeah. Um, I, I think there's evidence, especially on what, part is appropriately called the gun block um there is space for an additional uh bolt to go in mm-hmm. and we know that the real ones were threaded and uh the only reason a bolt would go in there would be to lock the position of the barrel yeah um but that was obviously taken out but then they still allowed the front handle to twist and it, 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 but it's such a cool feature. Like I just, I have a hard time with high end, uh, prop replicas and the barrel doesn't twist. Yeah. I mean, like, are you even doing it right? Like it doesn't even I mean, feel right anymore. Anytime I hold a thrower in which the barrel doesn't twist, I'm just like, Oh, neat. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I'm, I'm never going to let you touch my afterlife thrower then because it doesn't have a rotating barrel. I just went static with it because I was tr- kind of in a rush at the time when I'll I was break to it. finish it. So I was just like, it's fine. I'll break it. I'll, it's okay. <laughs> I'll I can set fix it, it right. I'll set it right. You can fix it. Yeah. Well, I know a lot of people, it looks like even, you know, the, the Hasbro ones at one point had the idea of the barrel rotation being in there because mm-hmm. I guess... Uh, some folks have been able to reverse engineer those. Interesting. But, I hadn't seen that. Yeah. So, so yeah, they, they put together these ones. You know, they, they have this crazy popping mechanism. The front barrel twists on it. But then at the same time, they have a flash bulb in the front that's running in its electrics through a pneumatic fitting, through a pneumatic <laughs> hose to the rest of the gun ear. And then there's there's... Uh, a momentary switch on the front end, which I, I, I personally believe I have no proof, but I believe that that switch activated the flash bulb. Yeah. And then I think the, the rear switch had the, the barrel lights and, you know, but they had, they had three different color lights in the barrel to make it, you know, light up and then all the way back to a crazy sequence of lights on it with every switch actually doing something different to the light sequence, including a $1,500 aviation bar graph. Which probably cost them 20 bucks at Apex. Who the fuck comes up with this, Austin? I don't know, but I'm glad they did. 
even I though mean, even I though I'm too. never gonna have one of those bar graphs, but you know, it's still cool as shit. I mean, I'm never gonna say never on the bar graph, but I mean, like, who comes up with that? Who says, "Hey, we have two weeks. Let's let's make the most overtly complicated piece of electrical equipment in the history of movie making ever." In 1984. I, I, well, but has there ever been another prop that is as electrically intricate? Oh, I'm sure there probably has been, but I couldn't tell you what it is off the top of my head. Well, they suck. Whoever yeah, they are. Yeah, it's not, it's not a proton pack. Trying to so outdo Ghostbusters. Yeah, exactly, it's dare. not a proton pack, so it's not as cool. How dare. You can't dethrone the king. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I do want to go back really quick talking about okay. uh the gun the the gun track yeah you know you were talking earlier about your idw thrower and yes how in the comics the entire gun track itself is like a rail system is there has there ever been any evidence that the gun tracks and original intention was to work as a rail system for you know as the hook itself for the wand do we know because it seems like that's what it would be. You know, it does, doesn't it? Along with the fact that you know, you've got those discs on the bottom of it and some of the I think it's it may be the superhero, I don't remember, but at least one of them has a disc under the gun hook. And so why does it have that detail if it's getting covered up by a gun hook unless it was added after the fact? You you're maybe postulating that the gun tracks never really reached their final design. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, maybe they started possible. prototyping and found out that it's just too clunky and it's not going to work as the as the hook system. So they just stuck the V-hook well, on top well, of really, it. Well, with, really, with your idea, all that they would have to do to finish that system would be milling out the sides of the track. Yeah. Um, so where the, where the track is raised up compared to the rest of the, the bottom plate, um, if they put in, you know, a 45 degree angle and cut out in that area, they could realistically then have a completely different hooking, uh, hooking system. Yeah. And, uh, and those discs could have been, um, at least the rear disc could have been a stop. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's always been something that I've thought about. Like, was that the original intention of that gun track was to work as a, as a hook, as a rail system or it very, you know? I mean, I would absolutely buy that as a concept. I mean, the shape is all there, you know, with the with the yeah. angled four, so it, it slips in a little bit easier. <laughs> Actually, you know, with with as large as the gun track is, if they had if the, if that is true, and they had completed that system, I think uh, reholstering your thrower would be a hundred percent easier. Oh yeah, I mean, there'd be no need for that much larger target. Yeah. Yeah. It can be done. I I have done it. You it can, can reholster. I did it but... once. I did it once, and no one believes me. Hell, half the time I think I'm lying. About <laughs> it. <laughs> it's just some crazed, drunken dream you had. Oh, I did it! I swear, <laughs> I did time, it. One time, I holstered my own proton pack. I did it! I swear. <laughs> okay, Grandpa, let's get you back inside for your nap. <laughs> Let's get you some of Uncle Ackroyd's vodka and get you back into bed. <laughs> oh, jeez. I've never been able to do it on any other pack but this one specific pack that I built. And I just 
I don't know. I mastered it with that thing. I could I could do it like four out of ten times. Did your did your gun hook have a a severe angle to it? No, it was a GB one angle. GB one. Mm-hmm. That was uh that was one of the improvements, and we'll we'll talk about that another episode more in depth. But one of the things I loved about the superheroes was the angle of the V hook because mm-hmm. the proton pack looks so much cooler with a super angled thrower on it. Yeah. Yeah, I dig. At the... least I I always thought so. That's one of the I thought elements of GB1 that I don't particularly like compared to GB2 is is I don't care for the less steep angle of the thrower. Yeah, agreed. But even so even the gun hook though, I mean, you know, even if the 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 rail uh the gun track was was an abandoned concept so then they throw together the v-hook and it's still it's it's genius in its simplicity i'm just Mm -hmm. i'm in love with the prop austin i mean from such humble beginnings of being antennas mounted to somebody's wrist yeah to this very intricate lots of interesting angles lots of interesting greeblies the the fact that they're not gluing circuit boards to this that they're going in the direction of using (coughs) pneumatic pneumatic fittings, pneumatic pieces, pneumatic parts with with some hefty electrical components, you know, resistors on there to to fill out mm-hmm. the details. It's so beautiful and it's such a well-made prop. And you know, we joke about the wonk, we joke about how shoddy it is, but the reality here is the props were so damn well-made that they ended up reusing them. Yeah. Well, and two And that's Going, you know, the wonk and stuff like that, I mean, you know, I don't typically like to go down the head cannon route, but we know when you think of stuff in universe, Egon mm-hmm. and Ray are what, building these things by themselves in a workshop, like, sure, they're not going to be perfect. They're not going to look like they were cranked out on a CNC machine. And to me, again, that yeah. adds to the charm of it, you know, it adds character and believability and to me it just sells it even more that these were built by a couple of guys in a, in a workshop you know yeah so you know exploring kind of that headcanon we had gone in this into this a little bit more and we kind of dusted over this but we should we should hit on the texture yeah of the proton pack um you know i had i had originally thought that the the texture was the result of the foam itself and it may still very well be mm-hmm. but there's a lot of spaces on the proton pack in which that texture is still visible where it wouldn't make sense to be the planar level of the foam um yeah i would just say especially on the cyclotron where that that almost um iron texture is is present the entire way where do we think that texture came from how do we think that came about i mean you know i think it's a combination of things i think it's a combination of you know the texture of the foam uh still being somewhat present um Mm -hmm. you know if they're throwing this thing together and trying to crank them out as quick as they can i'm sure they threw down you know whatever primer or sealer on top of it and they probably didn't go back and sand it out and try and make it look smooth and, and nice and pretty, you know. Um, that Or maybe they started with the ribs. Yeah. And that's why the ribs lack the texture. 
and that's why they look like they have sanding marks in them, you know, and then they just thought they just like, well, this is too much work, you know, I mean, anything's possible. Um, it, it, the, it could also be a result of the fiberglass material and, mm-hmm. you know, cause I've never, this is something that just popped into my head. I've never actually gone to compare, but is the texture identical on every casting? You know, I haven't gone back and looked now that you mentioned that. That'll be something that we'll have to come back to next episode. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to have to look into that because um, if it's different, then it's sure as hell not something that was on the master. It's something in the casting process. Well, but then you have weird texture details like the cyclotron rings, which uh, very much communicate the fact that they were um, machined. Yeah. Now that that could be again from them being sanded down, so they just ended up with that pattern on it. Mm-hmm. And again, I mean, it just illustrates how little we actually know about the fabrication process of the original proton pack of the the master build, the the foam and plastic and wood or whatever. I mean, um, well, we just don't know. And there's also a possibility that maybe the texture was intentional. You know, maybe yeah. they're maybe they were trying to convey the idea of cast iron or, you know, some kind of cast metal. Like we just, yeah, we just don't know. Well, it and that's the thing; it communicates much better on screen to have multiple textures. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, and that's a possibility too. It could be intentional just to break up the whole, you know, the different textures of the pack and and to make it mm-hmm. more visually interesting. Entirely. Entirely, but it ends up, it's, it's a symphony of, of whatever it was intentional or not. It's a symphony of perfection because it just comes off looking so damn cool. Yeah. I mean, I love it. And, you know, even going back to the afterlife packs, you know, they've gone back and added a texture for the afterlife mm-hmm. pack. It's, it's a lot finer. It, it, it definitely reads more like cast iron, like, like a cast iron skillet. Mm-hmm. Or something like that. It's yeah. got a much finer de- detail to it. But I still love it. Like, it still adds that character and, and that, that sense of realism to it. It does. It adds a, a lot of great texture. And then and then they mount the whole damn thing on, on an Alice frame, which uh, we talked about this again yeah. in the failed recording. But it's like the perfect... The, the perfect mounting system. I'm I'm still bummed that they didn't use it for answer the call. You know, they, they went with a that very convoluted punctured motherboard where everything mounts onto it. Uh, but I was still surprised that they didn't use a pack frame. I for mean those packs. You know, I get the motherboard is I, I think the intention is that, you know, it's supposed to look like everything's modular, right? I mean, and I think that's the point that kind of comes across in the movie where you've got the multiple versions, you know, as the movie progresses. Um, And to me, that would it would only make sense to then have a frame that could mount to that that type of motherboard. But yeah, for them to have not used any sort of frame and just stuck straps directly to it is is kind of a weird choice to me. It was, Um, and I love those props i think they're great and they are they are I've, and we're going to talk about them one day maybe 
No, we wouldn't. No, we are. <laughs> We're absolutely go. No, I I want to learn about them. I mean, they they're great props. They are as visually interesting as the traditional first generation proton pack. Yeah. And then, but talking about mounting, um, one of the interesting things I thought was again it was an abandoned idea was that the the superhero I think has four mounting points. Yeah. And um, you can see this on where the pack is now, in which if you look at the 10 and 2 o'clock positions on the Alice frame, on the actual pipe steel, um, there's on uh, the power cell side a hole that goes right through, and then on the motherboard another hole that's unused lines up with it. And then on the opposite side, on the gun box side, there's a hole in the motherboard and there is a hole on the back side of the Alice frame and then there is a poorly patched metal patch on the front of the frame and going back and looking at information I, I think I think the superhero was actually I think the frame was riveted to the motherboard well and you know and espe especially they, <clears throat> excuse me if that's the the first one built and it's the prototype of sorts. I mean, yeah, I can absolutely see mm -hmm. them trying, you know, mounting that thing directly to the motherboard versus, you know, the spacers and all that stuff. Yeah, well, it, but then I think they went back and they said, Hey, <laughs> we can actually do this with three points. Yeah. And they added the spacers, of course. Um, see something I'm curious about with the whole superhero pack is if it is the first one that was built, And they've they learned the things they can do differently for the other packs. Why were those mm -hmm. changes not implemented to that pack before filming? Why did they just keep it in the state that it was in? Well, I mean, the pack is used for about thirteen seconds in Ghostbusters. Yeah, but um, you would still think that they would they would go ahead and make all of them identical before filming even started. I, I don't know. I have to disagree. I think it would have already been built and they would have said, okay, well, these are the improvements that we can make for actor's comfort or um, expedition of, of the building process. Because the big differences yeah. are the the bar graph, the how the motherboard is mounted to the Alice frame, um, and then, um, you know, the foam is, is another big difference. But they're mm -hmm. they're mostly actor comfort changes uh, from from a side of the the location of the um, L fitting on the ion arm, you know, on the on the superhero yeah. is in what is traditionally called the Ghostbusters two configuration, in which that hex mm -hmm. fitting is on the the ion arm itself, and then in all the other packs has the square fitting on the ion arm cap. Well. It ends up from a production standpoint making sense to just put it on that cap because drill, drill, both pieces right there, put in a you know a smaller fitting, you get the same effect. So you're cutting yeah. down on how many times you have to revisit a piece to, to drill it out. So for those, you know, but it, it's so little as far as what you're going to be able to, to identify on screen, they probably just didn't care. They're like, yeah, this thing's really, really fucking uncomfortable, but you guys are wearing it for you know, maybe an hour. Yeah. 
And they just said, go, <laughs> go. <laughs> you know, we made your other packs more comfortable. So leave us alone. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> as far as the bar graph goes, you know, I mean, I'm sure they may have only found the one at Apex. And, okay, this is our insert wand. We'll use it for the close-ups for the well, inserts, no, they, which is what they did. They all, well, the, no, they all have bar graphs on them. But they only had one they that all, animated. They only they only have one that animated. So there was only one that they put together the particular circuitry to drive it. All the other yeah. ones they at least got to light up. Were so they all, all the other have ones... Whamco bar graphs? So they're all Whamco. Even the ghost traps, they are the the ghost traps okay. and the proton. Oh, that's right. I forget about have... the ones in the ghost trap. Mm-hmm. They all have Whamco bar graphs and. But the the superhero is the only one that has a bar graph that dances, and then the ghost traps are the only ones that have uh, pulsing bar graphs. Yeah, I forget about the. But ones. they only pulse one direction. They just uh, they just scroll up and then it stays solid. Yeah. Um, and then all the other hero proton packs all have just they they come on and they stay solid. Gotcha. Okay. For for yeah. whatever reason, I was under the impression that the the other ones didn't have Whamco bar graphs. They just had a facsimile of, of Whamco in there. Nope they have they have Whamcos in there. But it, it, here's here's what's even more interesting that's never really talked about. So, and this is just a thought that occurred to me: the ghost traps when they activate the power, the Whamco bar graph crawls up, mm-hmm. and then it stays solid. Um. So we've always made the assumption that the superhero has the only bar graph that dances, but we've only ever seen it crawl up. Yeah. So we don't actually know now, Jesus Christ. Uh, we don't actually know if that's just not a, uh, a part of the Whamco turning on. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, surely and, there uh, would be some footage, footage somewhere in the movie that one of the other ones would fire up and, you would see there it is. We have the footage. We have the footage of behind the scenes from one of the first Ghostbusters making of featurettes that shows the superhero thrower with the bar graph actually pulsing instead of just going up. I take it all back. Okay. I take it all back. I didn't have an. Uh, I didn't have an epiphany. Fuck me. What? Um, <laughs> we'll edit this out. <laughs> well, no, no, we're gonna leave it in because I mean that's 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 as much of what this podcast is about. It's about discovery. It's about you know, it's why being right and yeah. then being wrong and then being right again. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, but that's, you know, that's the entire ethos of like, yeah. you know, Spengler's 1984 workbenches. Like, let's keep diving into these things. If we have things that we thought we knew, mm-hmm. let's challenge them. Yeah. You know, let's apply the, the bona fide scientific method to it and see if that this information still stands up. And there's been stuff where we've been like, oh, no, this doesn't stand up. Yeah. Um, the, the neck padding is a great example. Um, Julian Legg, who is completed his phenomenal conversion of an Iona shoe polisher into oh, a PKE meter, God, so was one of the first people that ever came to me and said, Hey, um, you know, the neck padding in Ghostbusters one, it's, it's, it's not black or gray. It's, it's white. I'm like what? Fuck off. And then he, he yeah. sends me all these photographs, and it is. It's like there's there's black tape on it and shots of spray paint on the side, but the damn things are white. And then you go back and start really looking at the packs. It, it, it's amazing to me how many things we think we know, 
And because we just accept that detail as it is, we end up missing these details that are staring us in the face. Yeah, I mean, well, again, like, like the, the green, the green, lever, the green lever, lever. Yeah. Um, I love when somebody finds something just completely minuscule like that. Yeah. But it, you know, the level of, I don't, and I don't know if it's just because, eh, there's nothing new going on in terms of, you know, major discoveries. So, oh yeah, the neck bone's actually mm-hmm. white. I get all giddy. I get butterflies in my stomach. I'm like, I get excited. What? what? I mean, I, I get to, I get to update my pack. Oh, I get excited. Yeah. Uh, there's a, there's a big feature on the superhero. Now, um, I'm sticking to my guns on this one. So in Ghostbusters, the power cell lights on the superhero are not mounted to the motherboard. Yeah. And they're, again, they're mounted into the shell. You right? can, they're, they're mount, I believe that they're mounted in the shell. Now, uh, some, some people that have had close contact, very close personal contact with, with the superhero shell are saying, Oh no, that's, that's not what this is for, but I disagree. And I'm going to continue to disagree because they were definitely mounted in a different way in the first movie. In the first movie, there is no evidence on the power cell of rivets being there to hold a shelf for, for the power cell lights. But when you open up that shell and you look inside, there is a big shank of uh, aluminum right next to the power cell that has two big bolts going through the shell into this piece of aluminum that has since been jaggedly cut away. And I think okay. that that is the remnants, the leftover of the original power cell mounting point. I mean, that would make sense to me. I mean, I can't be convinced otherwise. I've been told that it was just used for, for like a leveling kind of thing. And I'm like, nah, that doesn't make sense either. A leveling um, kind I, of I thing? Think, yeah, I guess to, to judge how far the power cell lights need to, to be from the motherboard to communicate directly through the shell. I don't know. Okay. I'm I'm calling I'm calling BS on that. <laughs> um I, I mean again I, though And I'm not trying to know. I'm not trying to challenge anybody's authority or information. But again, how you know, how do we know that? Right. You know, how do you know that's we what know that's that, for? We know that the power cell wasn't mounted to the motherboard in, in 1983. Yeah. We know that because we've seen photographs. So where else is it mounting to? Yeah. Well, here's the only evidence of another mounting point. You know? Well, and you know, what? what's interesting to me is how much... You know, what kind of changes have been made to these packs that we don't even know about? Oh, God. You know what I mean? Like, things that may or may not have been present in 84 that we just don't know about. You know, whether it be internal or... They at least stripped down the wands at one point. Because the superhero wand goes through a big facelift from Ghostbusters to Ghostbusters 2. Yeah. Um, and, and we know the other wands did as well. We know that, you know, most of the wands had Legree banjos on them. And then when they were updated for Ghostbusters 2, they ended up getting Nicoil banjos, Mm -hmm. including the superhero. The superhero got that upgrade. We know that all the black knobs 
on the superhero were replaced with with exposed aluminum wands. Uh, even the the superhero itself even had a, a new knob put on it that had numbers on it. You know these these changes happened, but they weren't present in Ghostbusters one, and it, it's so difficult to ascertain the changes. Yeah, well, and the only way to do that is to look at photo reference from from the first movie. Yeah. Well, and like the what, the rear cylinder. Yes. You know why is it bare? Is it bare in the movie? I've never, no. I've never been able to to find any frame or any behind the scenes There's shot not. where it's bare. Me and uh, I, I had a two o'clock in the morning brainstorming session with uh, with Mikhail about that. I've had m- many um, of those. <laughs> oh, he's great for those. I love them. Um, so I was convinced that that the rear cylinder was not present in Ghostbusters. Um. Like, I was under the impression at all on any of them or just the superhero, just on the superhero. Okay. I I was under the impression that they removed that cylinder specifically for that close up shot, so that the bar graph wouldn't have any hose or anything like that in front of mm-hmm. it. And I, you know, knowing Hollywood, that's a fair and reasonable uh, assumption. Um, but Mikhail was able to find me photographic evidence of the green hose being there in other shots. Um, and we went through so many frames, uh, especially of Ernie Hudson drawing when they're walking up towards Gozer and Ernie Hudson draws his wand. Um, when they're doing the heat him up sequence, he's wearing the superhero proton pack at that moment okay. for, for just a few seconds. And there's no flash of silver, okay. but you can see silver on, on, the other wands from the knobs and things like that. So it ends up being reasonable to assume that if there was an exposed piece on there at that time, uh, that you would be able to see it. Yeah. Um, but it's not in the green hoses there. And uh, that's something another buddy of mine, Bart had always told me, no, it's, it's black in there. You're wrong. I said, no, prove it to me. And uh, <laughs> we finally have the proof. So he rubs it in my face all the time. Um, but then, yeah, as you said, the superhero now has a complete raw aluminum rear cylinder. And actually, in, in my build, I am keeping it raw aluminum. That's um, screen accurate, Dan. I know. I know it's not. But, and I went back and forth because you're right, it's not screen accurate. But I spent so much time thinking that that cylinder wasn't there or that it would end up being raw aluminum that I ended up deciding that I'm going to keep that particular part raw aluminum as a reminder um, that we're still learning. Yeah. Or and you it, can make two and swap them out when you feel like <laughs> I could, I could, I absolutely could, you know, so when I see you with it, I'll make sure I swap it out for a black one. Yes. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> that. Yes. Especially since you have that afterlife pack that doesn't have a, a rotating front barrel. Hey, you know. Mm-hmm. We all got our thing, but right? No. <laughs> we all have our, our inaccurate thing. Yeah. But it's it's pretty with that, that exposed rear cylinder. It is. It's, I like it's, it. I like the two-tone nature of... It just adds a little bit extra character to it. But we don't know why. Uh, Matt Burkett had an interesting theory. He thinks that the rear cylinder not only was a, the rear mounting point for 
the pop mechanism spring, he also believes that it was the grounding point for a lot of the electrics in the wand body. Okay. And he had postulated that that perhaps the reason why it is now exposed to aluminum was due to an electrical issue. Okay. And that it, it basically got um, shocked off. But again, we don't actually know. Yeah. I mean, there, it could be any reason. It absolutely could. We will never know. But listen, Austin, we've successfully gotten through episode five. And we made it. And we still, we did, we made it. We talked about the origin of the Proton Pack. We talked about the superhero, my all-time favorite Proton Pack. But we still have more to talk about. But we're going to save that for episode two of, or part two, I should say, session six, part two Ghostbusters 1 Proton Packs. We're going to talk about the other hero Proton Packs. And of course, I'm sure we'll talk about the superheroes some more. But we did it, bud. We're we're through episode session five. I am so happy that it's still going. I am too. I'm I'm very pleased as punch. I'm excited to to maybe bring some more updates to my IDW uh, pack next week. I'm excited, of course, to, to know what you're working on. I'm excited for you to get your box set. I'm hoping you get a chance to watch that. It's supposed to be here tomorrow, so I know what I'm doing. All right. I got my fingers crossed. So um, we are now over our time. Um, so I'm going to go ahead, put the shout-outs. If you want to join the discussion, guys, check us out. Uh, Spangler's 1984 Workbench. If you want to like us on Facebook, it's the Black Firehouse Podcast. You can like us on Twitter. You can like us on Instagram. Austin here does an amazing job of pushing out um, some really fantastic prop-related articles. Um, And, of course, we reference uh, religiously here is going to be the Ghostbusters Reference Library, also on Facebook.com. Give us a like on Spotify. You can also check us out on our RSS feed and we normally post to YouTube every Friday. We're a little behind schedule, and we do apologize for that. So Session 4 will be on YouTube soon, and of course Session 5 to be expected on YouTube uh, this Friday as well. Um, this is Dan Harshman and Austin Young for the Black Firehouse Podcast. Wishing you guys a great evening, and hey, go out and build something. As a duly designated representative of the city... I order you to cease any and all supernatural activity and return forthwith to your place of origin or to the nearest convenient parallel dimension. Okay, so I'll see you later, huh? I'll give you a call. Everything was fine with our system until the power grid was shut off by Dickless here. Two in the box! Ready to go! We be fast and baby slow! Gray has gone bye-bye, you guys. What have you done? For whatever reasons, Ray, call it fate, call it love. Call it karma. I believe that everything happens for a reason. I believe that we were destined to get thrown out of this dump. For what purpose? To go into business for ourselves. Boy, the superintendent's gonna be pissed. We're ready to believe you.